Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and we have a great show planned for you here today. We are in that little bit of a lull we call the off-season here in Florida, but that doesn't mean that we don't have plenty of things coming up to talk about. So, we are going to jump right on into it here today, and we're actually going to welcome back a special guest to the podcast for the first segment. Uh, you may have listened a couple episodes back when we had our good friend J.R. Longley call in from the sponsorship seminar, and he's become a regular sponsor of the show here as well. But uh, as we approach the holiday season here, JR has reached back out to let me know he has a new product. He's been able to kind of condense down the sponsorship seminar into something that you might find very useful to have around your house, maybe around the race shop, or it might make a really good Christmas gift. And um, I think after you hear the interview with JR that's coming up here, you're going to want to hop on there and you're going to want to order this thing for yourself and probably for a bunch of your other friends as well. So we have that coming up. I don't want to spoil the surprise. I want, uh, or the, or the product I should say, I want to let JR talk about it and, uh, you can hear it from the man himself. And hopefully we're going to see JR come the world series. Speaking of the world series, before we jump into that interview, uh, plenty of good things brewing with the World Series. Um, I know last time we talked, I went over the entries that had come in already, and there was like, I don't know, 15 or 20 or so. But uh, it's well over 50 at this point. Entries are continuing to come in every day. I'll tell you my favorite thing now, when I wake up, grab a cup of coffee, log into the computer, get ready for the workday, first thing I do is hop on to the New Smyrna registrations to see if we got any that have come in. And sometimes it's a bunch, sometimes it's one or two. But every morning since I released entries, um, I've been adding those as they come in. And this goes for Red Eye, uh, which we've had a few entries trickle in for that. And it goes for World Series. And I know it's it's December 12th. And I can remember entry lists for the World Series being at like 50 um, come February. So... Uh, we're on good pace. Um, the 602s are exploding. The tour mods are starting to get up there. Uh, super lates are, are pretty much typically where they're at this time of year. Those usually seem to come in a little bit later. But uh, yeah, man, things are looking strong there. Um, I'm going to go over a little something different for World Series talk a little bit later in the show. I'm not going to sit here and read every single name. It's it's public now. Uh, you can go see the entry list uh, by going to DeSmyrnaSpeedwayUSA.com right now as you listen and see any new names that have been added. But got a little something-something coming up here in segment two as far as the World Series goes. So uh, it's a little precursor to stay tuned. Plus, um, I, a lot of my favorite racing podcasts during the offseason, they kind of look back at the NASCAR season that was, kind of recap things. And I'm going to do that, but I'm going to use, as you know, we, we grade every single race when we recap it on the show. And I'm going to go back and look at those grades and see which races were good and see which races were bad and see if what I thought of the race at the time still holds up in my mind. So, um, <clears throat> like I said, th this episode, these off-season episodes, uh, sometimes a little bit different. There was no racing last weekend, so I don't have any races to cover. There was tour destruction. Congratulations to Zach Curtis. I feel like I should just um, record that and copy that into like every enduro race uh, that happens on the show and just put it in here. Um, so yeah, uh, we weren't in any races. Um, we're planning to make it out to Auburndale for the charity race this weekend, at least for Sunday's portion, if not both nights, depending on the weather, depending on how the days go. Uh, weather looking iffy. Um, looks like quite a nasty system is going to come across the state here 
as some of the cold fronts that come through are going to kind of like converge upon each other and then rain down terror across the state this weekend, which would be unfortunate. Uh, but at least the charity race does have a contingency plan in place. And um, if it doesn't happen this weekend, then we will go uh, after that. And I'm going to line up a uh, interview with our good friend Steve from SRQ Taxes, one of our proud sponsors here. And uh, he'll be on the show for the first time to talk about the charity race when and if it, well, I don't want to say if, when it happens. So um, that's kind of the plans here over the next couple of weeks. And then it'll be red eye before you know it. We're less than a month away from Red Eye, which is always good content for the show. Everybody wants to tune in for the Red Eye episode. Actually, it was one of the most popular episodes last year, as a matter of fact. So with that said, uh, I do want to take some time here and hear from one of our sponsors, the Sponsorship Seminar. And uh, J.R. Longley, he's called back in to discuss a product that I think you guys might want to pick up for your holiday shopping needs. So stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, we want to welcome to the Racing with Ryan hotline today, uh, returning special guest, J.R. Longley with the Sponsorship Seminar. J.R., how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? Doing real well. Thanks for uh, taking some time to call back in. I know last time we talked, uh, we talked about your exciting product, the Sponsorship Seminar, and I'm hoping that some people at least went and checked that out. And we thank you for being a, uh, a sponsor here of the podcast. Um you know, we talked about that last time, and we know you have some exciting things going on right now that we want to talk about. But just in case we have some listeners that uh, didn't tune into that first show or are new listeners, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I've been in the motorsports industry now for approximately 40 years. And, you know, working in all all facets, all sides of it, uh, started out, obviously, uh, in the sponsorship side, you know, working, trying to help local racers, both on dirt and asphalt, many, many years ago, uh, you know, securing funding. And as life would have it, you know, work and marriage and kids and so on, um, you know, kind of navigated towards the uh, the NASCAR side and ended up in, you know, working at all three different divisions of NASCAR, working uh, doing career path management, helping drivers, you know, navigate the, uh, the difficult waters of, uh, of making it to the top. And I, I helped several people, you know, do that. But all the while I, you know, was always, uh, I've always tried to help the local people. And I had multiple opportunities to share knowledge and, and help people when I would be like at a, at a local short track, even, even your track there at New Smyrna, uh, Pensacola, Montgomery, Mobile, you know, all over the Southeast basically. And several times I had people say, why doesn't someone teach the information of, of securing sponsorship? How, how the local guy goes about it. So, uh, over a period. And when I say period, I don't mean six months. I'm, more more in line with 10 years i just slowly started thinking you know at some point in time it would be good to put together a, a video to kind of go from a to z uh to teach the, the the local racer and when i say the local racer i truly mean from you know the four cylinders all the way to the, the super late model guys um but i wanted to focus more on the people who, who race at the local track every week, uh, regardless of their age, regardless of what they race, go-karts, quarter midgets, motorcycles, full-bodied stock cars, you know, dirt or asphalt, it didn't matter. 
but they were the people that were going to be at the racetrack basically every week supporting the track and maybe with not a lot of realistic aspirations to go, you know, NASCAR racing or IndyCar racing. So I put together the, the sponsorship seminar. So video, about an hour and 15 minutes, something like that, hour and 20 minutes long that a racer could access, um, you know, log in, you know, put their credit card information in. It's 99 bucks. You know, I give you, I issue kind of a ticker, uh, where your time starts counting down, you can uh, access that video as many times as you want during a 36-hour period. Uh, that's all handled by Speedsport TV. They do the distribution for me. And, you know, as that got kicked off maybe three or four months ago, um, got a lot of response to that. And I had people start telling me, you know, man, it would be great to have this in a booklet form, something I could hang on to for life. So I took the information from the sponsorship seminar, which was all me. I somewhat compressed that into a 25-page manual, and I'm offering that as well at 19.95. So it's something that you can put in your toolbox, you can put in your magazine rack. You know, it's it's yours for life at 19.95. So the interesting thing that I've noticed, Brian, the first sponsorship deal I did 40-some-odd years ago, the same, the same approach, the same application, everything still applies. And it's always uh, surprised me that there are very few people that I've encountered in my life, whether it's racer or non-racer, who truly understands what sponsorship is all about. And, you know, the, the typical racer definition, it's somebody who gives me money to help me race. Well, we've all kind of accepted that as the definition, but really and truly, that's not the correct definition. Yes, it's great when somebody gives you $500 or $5,000. I don't care what the number is. They give you that money, but uh, ultimately that does not truly define um, what a sponsor is. So, Part of the seminar, part of the manual, uh, you know, I define that in a, in a realistic type way. And then we go through an, an A to Z process on how to go about uh, finding that local sponsor. So I have it in the sponsorship seminar and I have it in the sponsorship manual. And that's obviously what we're kind of focusing on here today is the manual. Yeah. And again, you can go to the sponsorshipseminar.com. You can kind of get right into the seminar there. It's really easy. Um, how do they go about finding the manual? The, the sponsorshipmanual.com. Oh, okay. So, so simple, yeah. The two are not really tied together on the same site, and that's only because uh, Speedsport TV, you know, I, I learned this when I put the, uh, the seminar together. You know, it has to be somewhat housed and, you know, then distributed, you know, in a digital form where the... You know, I actually have to have two two web addresses and all for the manual. You know, one is for you to access the sponsorship. I'm sorry, the seminar, the sponsorshipseminar.com. And another web address is where it is resting, so to speak. And Speech4 handles that. So I had to do a different website altogether for the sponsorship manual. So that's why they're not tied together. Well, that still makes it very easy. You change a couple letters around on the address bar and it pulls right up. So. Yeah, um, yeah, just I, I think that uh, having this in print form, 
don't know, sometimes getting a racer to sit down for an hour is, is you know, that might be tough for them because they want to go work on their car for an hour. Now, if they have this manual in hand, I mean, they can read it before they go to bed. They can read it while they're having coffee in the morning, sitting around watching TV at the end of the night. And then they have this kind of as a guide to if they're thinking about going out there and putting themselves out there in front of local businesses. Now they've got this guide to kind of keep them on track, if you will. Yes. And, you know, I've had, um, <clears throat> you know, probably three or four different times. So I, I caution everyone. There, there is a, a website. There's something out there called sponsorship manual. Um, you have to put T H E, you know, the sponsorship manual for mine. The, uh, the other one who I guess you would say is my competitor, I believe is more of a European type guy, open wheel racer, uh, obviously not trying to educate, you know, the local racer. He's he's looking, I, I don't even know who wrote that book. I don't, I don't know anything about it other than uh, I did check, you know, he, he did not have a website as the sponsorship manual. So I secured that. So I just caution everyone to make sure you type in the, you know, T-H-E. Yeah, and if you do that, it pulls right up and you'll see, I mean, <laughs> One of the, the first pictures that comes up as I'm searching the site here is, is a go-car, then you got a sprint car. I mean, this thing encompasses all kinds of racing. So I know we're kind of stock car focused on this show, but um, right. I'm, I'm involved with the quarter midget world and probably get some listeners from that. So this really encompasses everything. So any type of racing you're into, I mean, if you go take a look at this, um, you know, you can find something of value for your type of racing. Because um, like I said, it is all encompassing. Well, that that's true. And I... Um uh, a few weeks back, uh, you know, it was a huge go-kart event uh, in Georgia, uh, Thanksgiving Thunder, I think it's called. I, I even went there, you know, dirt, dirt go-kart racers, and, you know, sold several manuals there. I was just there showcasing it and walking through the pits and talking to those guys. And it's interesting, as I said earlier, you know, by and large, racers um, somewhat – and this could come across as if I'm picking on racers. I'm not. I make my living in the racing industry, and I have for years. I love racing at all levels, but racers focus on making their car, their motorcycle, their go-kart. They focus on making or trying to be faster. And this manual and the seminar is to get you to focus uh, on the thing that we all need, and that's money. You know, yeah. the correct way to go about it. So I was surprised even at the go-kart race, uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, just how many people that I talked to, it sounded like I was talking to someone in the pits at New Smyrna. You know, they, they were racing stock cars in New Smyrna. So, uh, you know, motocross racers, everyone seems to take on the same attitude towards sponsorship. And the, the seminar and the manual kind of makes you look at that totally differently and it gives you a tremendous opportunity for success. Um, you know, instead of, you know, what's what's the education, uh, what's the old phrase? Um, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, insanity. So, pardon me? That, that's insanity. Yeah, insanity. So so the, the manual shows you a different way. And, you know, so many racers through all the years say, I can't find a sponsor. I can't find a sponsor. Well, typically, I have found that goes back to a misunderstanding of the word sponsorship and then how you go about it. And I've told people, as you know, and it's the truth. I have many years ago, 
uh, I, I covered up a lot of race cars with local sponsors by using the same approach I do today for that local racer. Um, and it, when you talk about earlier, when you open it up and you see a sprint car, you see a go-kart, whatever, the interesting thing, I, I'm very proud of this, but I actually secured a, right at $5,000 sponsorship for a remote control car racer. That's pretty amazing. Racing remote control cars, and I use the same approach that I would for a, a guy racing at New Smyrna Speedway be, because it's all in the approach and it's all how you do it. Yeah, and, and again, if you're wondering, if you want an easy way to figure out what that approach should be or how to guide yourself, I mean, go check out the sponsorshipmanual.com. It's 20 bucks, 1995. Um, even if you think this makes a, 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 you know, it sounds like a great idea and you're covered with sponsorship, well, buy it for your friends. It makes a good Christmas gift. I mean, Christmas is coming up quick here. I can't believe we're already in the middle of December. But um, – yeah. You can hop on there, get a couple for your friends, buy it for your team and, and have them branch out a little bit and bring some more money in. You know, I mean, that, that's what I said last time when we talked about the seminar. Get your team together, watch the seminar. Now, if watching videos isn't your thing, you can buy a couple manuals and everybody can have the manual. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of people already buy them for Christmas presents. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Each manual is individually wrapped in a you know thin plastic. So, uh, you know, just to protect the cover and everything. Uh, I put it in a big envelope and put a label on it and, and mail it out to you. And it gets there normally in three or four days, something like that. Perfect. And then with this, like, you know exactly who your money's going to. It, it's helping somebody in the industry to keep, in my opinion, you're doing the Lord's work, helping keeping this thing alive, helping people find that funding that they need to continue to race. Because without racers, the, the tracks are disappearing. So we need the racers That's- to be able to continue. So this is a great avenue, in my opinion. Well, it's, you know, it's common sense. If, if you go find a $100 sponsor, you, you've more than paid for it. Just, all you know, finding that simple, easy sponsor off of information that's in the manual. Um, you know, like I say, it's kind of a, so one guy, I was on a, I was on the phone with a guy, another racer, and he said, you know, he said, JR, he said, I spend nineteen ninety five a week on energy drinks. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. what, what do I back for that, you know? So, so. Anyway, it's um, I think it's I think it's priced right. I'm you know I'm not trying to get rich off of this. Just like I said about the seminar, you know, working with speech sport, they're great people, but um, you know they they have to be paid, and you know there's there's not a lot of profit in all this for me. It's just a way to try to give something back because yeah. racing has been good for me and it's been good to me. So you know it's it's just a way for me to try to help people because I've been asked so many times, you know, and I can't get on a plane or, or get in the car and, you know, drive to Orlando to, you know, to help someone find a, a $500 sponsor or a $1,500 sponsor, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of common sense. So yeah. what I would be doing if I were in Orlando trying to help a racer or Daytona or New Smyrna, I would be using the same thing that's, you know, printed in the pages, you know, so everyone, everyone can do it. If you just, uh, Read it, study the manual, and apply what is taught there. Right, and that's uh, a, a, a key thing. You actually have to apply it. If you just think, oh, I'm going to yeah. read this, and it's all going to come to me. Like like you said, there's not a million dollars in the middle of this thing. So you have to yeah. take the knowledge. You have to apply it. But this at least helps you get some confidence to go out there and do that because you come in with a strategy already versus just walking in the door of some company and said, hey, want to sponsor my race car? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, the, 
the, the worst words in the world, or that's the, the worst question if you're a racer, is to ask someone. And I think we covered this earlier. Yeah. You know, will you sponsor me? You know, the business owner, it's been proven more times than not. It's over and over, it's been proven that when you use those words, that business owner, what they hear, you know, perception is reality. And what they hear is you're involved in a hobby that you can't afford mm. and you want me to pay for it. Now, you're never, a racer is never going to say that, but I'm talking from, or from speaking from the, the business owner's side, when you use those words, you know, will you sponsor me? So again, as I said earlier, this is a, a way of developing a new strategy. I give you the strategy. I give you the approach. I tell you what you should do first, um, what, what you should do second, what you should do third. Actually, a step-by-step process. I go over even a, uh, a proposal, you know, let's call it a PowerPoint, whatever you want to call it. I, I go over just how, um, you know, the, the difference in, in, in days of old, we would use a 30, 40-page PowerPoint, and those things are all gone now. I go over step-by-step step what should be involved in your proposal, your presentation, you know, the fact that you, the studying of the, the potential sponsor before you walk in, you know, I cover the words you, you should say. And then the other thing, because I've, I've always been in sales my whole life, and most racers are not in sales, and the reason a lot of people fail, not only in sponsorship, but in sales in general, is they're not prepared for objections. Right. So I actually go over, you know, some things to be prepared for, you know, the, you, the proverbial door is slammed in your face. Well, if you use my methods and stuff, you're prepared for these things ahead of time and you don't let the door get slammed in your face. So. It's a step-by-step process. It's not a a 25-page manual you open up and it's full of rainbows and pictures and, you know, here's here's 500 bucks to get you started. It's a 25-page manual to reprogram your mind and your approach about sponsorship. Yeah, that's, in my opinion, a great thing to have – even if it's uh, you know something you get and keep around the shop, I, I remember back in the day uh, going to race shops with my dad, and, and racers would have those stock car racing magazines all over the place. So this kind of uh, it's like an updated version of that, but something that can actually help you. And um, I, I think it's a great thing. I, I feel like our listeners should at least go check it out. Um, again, if you go to the sponsorshipmanual.com, uh, you can find mm-hmm. all the information about that and pick that up. Now I want to ask you a question. Um, is this something now that you uh, keep in print and carry around with you when you go to various racetracks and, and have for sale uh, while you're walking around? I, I, my, my plan for 2024 is to visit as many racetracks as possible uh, in the southeast primarily. And, you know, I, I'm not going to just walk on someone's property and walk around and start selling things. You know, I have a nice uh, custom-printed tent and you know, 10 by 10, 10, I got from the you know good folks at Factory Canopies. And, you know, so if a promoter will allow it, you know, for me to go in the pits and set up my tent and the racer can walk by, we, we can talk, we can, you know, thumb through the manual and point out things and all that. So, yes, it's um, the manual literally, I just I received the first group uh, three weeks ago. I've already sold all those. I've already gone through a second printing. Awesome. I picked that up the other day so 
you know, I'm just trying to be realistic about it and um, kind of market this thing, you know, one day at a time. But, you know, just like being with your podcast, I've been on a couple other podcasts, uh, going on a radio show Thursday night. You know, so I'm just trying to, you know, guerrilla market this thing, you know, one day at a time and try to get it out there. Well, I, I know 2024 is just around the corner. We got a little bit of ways before, you know, racing season really picks back up. Um, are right. you, are you planning to make it down to new Smyrna for speed weeks at all this year? Is that in the plans? That is the plan. Awesome. That is the plan. Yes. Well, listen, when, when that comes up, um, make sure you get with me. I'll make sure we can get you set up with a, with a place where you can, uh, set up and maybe, uh, get some of these, uh, to the drivers over there. Cause I know we're going to have people coming from all over the place. Entry list already starting to grow for world series. Yeah, that would be great. I, I appreciate you offering that. I, but it is, I've started putting together my calendar already. Um, got some races to, to go to in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Uh, a few dirt races in Kentucky. Uh, have probably six events already scheduled in the Carolinas right now. So 24 is, you know, I'm, I'm going to really try to hit the road. And in addition to that, you know, I still maintain my NASCAR work um, doing driver representation and uh just completed a deal last week for an Xfinity team, uh, you know, t- tying a driver with a team, uh, working currently on a uh, on a truck deal. So awesome. I stay busy, but again, this the grassroots local guy or girl, that's my passion. That's what the sponsorship manual, the sponsorship seminar are all about. And, um, you know, <clears throat> that's, that's just me. It's who I've always been, and I enjoy helping people. So... I know that I knew in my heart that putting this together and putting it out there would help people. But then it, it, you know, it's once you, the phone starts ringing or the emails start coming back of, you know, thanking me for it and people already using it and applying it to their racing, uh, makes me feel really good. Yeah. So, well, Hey, that's, that's why I keep doing this podcast. You know, I'm, I sit in a room for a couple hours and, and talk just like I do on Saturday nights. And then people tell me they enjoy it. Like it's, it's their, thing that they enjoy listening to as they travel to the racetrack so it's it's the little things i mean yeah i'm giving back in a way different way but for you to actually help people with these strategies to go fund what they love to do i just i I think it's fantastic i love hearing stories like that and obviously with your ties to nascar all the way through the grassroots racing level I, i think anyone listening to this if they had any questions about well is this thing legit i think what you said today pretty much speaks for itself well, I, I appreciate you saying that, and it's, um, uh, you know, my as, as I get older, you know, I lived in Charlotte for nine years. I was there just really to, to work on, and now let me be honest, I, I'm from Georgia, and I was tired of driving back and forth, yeah. so, you know, to Charlotte, so I moved over there, and I tell people to work on my business, but, um, you know, it, it was really establishing those relationships with the NASCAR teams, and because I, I had some opportunities, you know, to guide a couple of people, you know, guided one guy and helped him all the way to the Xfinity Series Championship. Um, you know, and it's it's something that I enjoy doing because those those racers, they're achieving their goals that they set out, uh, you know, to accomplish. And I get, you know, a lot of people like to exaggerate in racing, but I it's very honest to say I probably get one call a month, maybe once every six weeks, you know, just a random dad, you know, said, Hey, my, my son, or had one not long ago, my daughter wants to race in the ARCA series. 
And, you know, they lived 1,500 miles away from Charlotte. They didn't know who to call, what to do, and how to get there. So, you know, I helped guide that situation. So that's usually, for me, a few phone calls and a few meetings, but it's it doesn't really fulfill, you know, what what I want to do, and that's helping that that man or woman, you know, boy or girl, whatever, that's showing up every weekend at the racetrack. You know, the, the grassroots racer is the backbone. And as you said earlier, we don't have racers. There's no need for racetracks. Right. And, and I can't stand the thought of the sport dying. You know, I, I have a 14-month-old grandson that, you know, I want to get him a helmet and a go-kart already, but mom and dad won't let me, you know. So <laughs> if, if, if racetracks die, where is he going to go? You know, so um, – that's that's what it's all about for me long term trying to help the racer which obviously helps the race tracks yeah and i'm i'm totally on your side with that i I love nascar too i love to watch on sundays i love to talk about it here on the show but the the bread and butter the 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 love that i have for the sport is that you know that local stuff and that's that's why i've been working at where i've been at for the last seven eight years now because i really love it there the thought of everyone's like oh you should take opportunities move up i'm like but I'm I'm happy right here. This is what I love. The people here that are pouring their heart and soul into coming out and putting on a show for people they don't know on a Saturday, to me, that's what it's all about. And that's what I like to be involved with. So for you to, you know, have a way to help those guys out w- with this is, I don't know, it's, it's fantastic. When you made that call to me a couple months ago, I was like, oh yeah, this is the kind of thing I need to be getting on the show. So, and I appreciate uh, the call, you know, for the last show and, um, I appreciate you coming on again today with, with the updates. And again, I think it'll just make a, a great Christmas present. I mean, you can even gift the uh, the seminar itself if you think that's uh, something to check out too. Again, um, the sponsorshipmanual.com, the sponsorshipseminar.com. You can check them both out. Um, at least at least check it out. You know, it can't hurt you to, to click on there and, and see what it's all about if if, uh, if you didn't get it all from, from the interview today. But uh, again, yep. I want to thank you for taking some time to come on and like i said when you're down in this area please let us know so we can get you set up with something okay ryan i i really appreciate the uh the opportunity and because it's um i I need to get the word out there and you know people like you and the the other podcasts i've been on the radio show coming up thursday that's that's helping spread the word so um I'm, i'm very very grateful for that well anytime if you got something new please let us know we'll be happy to have you back on and uh good luck with everything and if of course if anything we can do please let us know thank you very much all right everybody that was jared longley with the sponsorship seminar and sponsorship manual please make sure you check that out and again we appreciate him taking some time to be on the show today hey everyone we want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the racing with ryan podcast including one of our first anchor sponsors 124 welding and fabrication course that is ron d'alessandro's company he's been with us for the last couple of years not only here on the show but supporting local short track racing as well and the florida southern ground pounders and the 602 modifieds that race over at new smyrna Uh, ron he's an all-around good guy and he's very talented of course he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs but go to his etsy store check out etsy.com and search for 124 welding and fabrication you can see some of the great items that he already has for sale they make great gifts you got a birthday coming up or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom made. 
We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago, and they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting, um, they do estate and trusts, they do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian, get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, 
just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Again, big thank you to JR for calling in, telling us about the sponsorship manual. Make sure you go to the sponsorshipmanual.com. Um, of course, you can visit the sponsorshipseminar.com as well. Um, two different avenues to get that information. Very valuable, in my opinion, as we talked about there in the interview. And again, makes a good Christmas gift. So I think that kind of ties in well with this show. You got just enough time to get those last minute Christmas gifts ordered and sent out. And I know most people these days are pretty understanding. If you get them something late, it's the thought that counts, right? So uh, if you can, Hop on over, check out uh, JR's manual, check out the sponsorship seminar, and uh, pick up one or two. Pick up a copy or two for yourself and for some others, and uh, make sure you support our sponsors here on the podcast. Um, I mentioned at the brief uh, beginning of the show that we're going to do a little something World Series related. Um, You know, I used to sit here and read every single entry when you guys are fairly capable of reading yourselves. So what I'm going to do weekly as we have a show as the World Series approaches, I'm going to utilize the World Series power rankings that I haven't talked about since the end of last year's World Series. And I'm going to build upon this list as we get closer and kind of rank, do my preseason World Series rankings based on who's pre-entered. And I'm only going off the big four divisions, um, the weekly divisions. Uh, I, I could just individually do those. Maybe I'll do a, a, a local division power ranking before we actually do the World Series, like on the, the big World Series preview show, um, because then I'll have a better idea of who all's coming for that. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that as we get closer. But, excuse me, we are going to think about the, um, the, the top five divisions that run for the championship. So your Super Lates, Pro Lates, Tour Mods, Florida Mods, and 602 Mods. And if they are not pre-entered yet, they are not included at the time of recording. So, um we're going to hop into that real quick. After that, we're going to take a look back at the good and the bad races from NASCAR in 2023. And I've broken them down into two different columns, good and bad, based on the scores that they received. And we'll put that all together and, and kind of recap the season quickly uh, using the grades that we talk about every week. So I think that'll be a little bit fun. And we're going to start with the bad because... I feel like it's okay to talk about things that are bad from time to time. Not everything is good. Not everything is great. Um, you know, not I, I love my home. I, I love my life. Not everything is great all the time. And it's okay to have bad things. So we are going to talk about uh, the good and the bad of NASCAR. Well, let's start with the World Series power rankings. And I've got a top 10 list today that will probably expand as we get more names on the entry list. But starting in the 10th position... Got to give it to the hometown guy, the champion of the 602 Modifieds from last season at the New Smyrna Speedway, Christopher Hatton. He is registered in the Tour Mods and the 602 Modifieds, knows his way around the track, had awful luck last year uh, with, with the 602 getting wrecked out on night one, and the Tour Mod just never quite... They, they were they were Tour Mod rookies last year, and they just never quite got it up to full song. Um, obviously did some of the Tour races. They went to Martinsville, they went to Wilkesboro, Um I, I think, you know, between the Tormod and the 602, they will have some good runs in them. Another Tormod on the list here in ninth, Ryan Fisher. He'll be driving one of those primary service groups, uh, race cars, the white and blue machines. I believe it'll be the O2 machine this year. Uh, Ryan, a pretty good driver, and he's got the help uh, with, with the Bluets there and the Baldwins. 
Um, I, I think Ryan will be one to watch in the 602 Modifieds. Gus Dean going to come in in eighth spot right now. He's one of the few super late signed in so far. He's going to be driving the 57 car. Uh, Gus has moonlighted the last couple of years with the pro late models and going to switch back over to the supers. Uh, given his experience, not only at the World Series and late models, but in ARCA as well, um, you know, uh, I, I feel like if you run the full super late model season for the World Series this year, you're going to be in line for some good runs. So I got Gus in the eighth position. In seventh, the young up-and-coming tour mod driver who I think is finally going to break through. I might have predicted that last year, and I guess I'll keep doing it until I'm right. Uh, but I got Anthony Bello here in the seventh position. Great young kid. Um, actually came down the first year of the 602 mods, put on some good runs, and will be in the 179 modified, uh, tour modified this year. So I got him seven. Six, I have another 602 here. Lee Sharpstein was in the championship hunt at the end of last World Series. Uh, did talk to Lee via the Facebook page earlier this week, and he will be down for the three-race Triple Crown Series. So I like his odds. If the car will hold together, I think Lee will be good. Up in the fifth spot, our first pro-late model here on the list, Jimmy Renfro Jr., um, third in the red-eye here last year, and top 10 finishing points with the pro-lates. That was ultra-competitive. Didn't have that many great runs, per se. Kept his nose mostly clean. Um but I think teaming up with Donnie Wilson Motorsports this year. So I expect Jimmy Renfro to have some really good runs. I expect him to be top five, at least top 10, um, if not competing for wins. If the Because uh, he ran for Don, uh, Donnie Wilson Motorsports at the Snowflake. And if that is the case, and I'm going off his Facebook post, it looks like that'll be the case. So um, I expect good things out of the double O and Jimmy Renfro Jr. here this year. He'll be at Red Eye as well. Uh, Luke Baldwin has entered both the Baldwin brothers, Luke, who won the championship last year, and Jack. Uh, Jack never had the luck, man. He got wrecked in a big practice crash and just never really got back to uh, where Luke was. So I've got Luke Baldwin fourth on the list here. That doesn't mean that Jack can't be the one to beat this year. It doesn't mean they both can't be the ones to beat this year. But going into the preseason, I've got Luke Baldwin fourth with a 602. In third, based on the entry so far, got to give it two time. World Series championship back to uh, back to back a couple of years ago. Derek Griffith, off year last year, uh, just didn't have the speed, didn't have the runs that team is used to having. Um, actually loaded up early, did not run the Orange Blossom. Their week was so dismal. Um, I think they might have had motor problems the morning of the Orange Blossom and ended up having to go home early, uh, which was a shame because that was a great race. But I got Derek Griffith third here on the list. That could change, obviously. Could go up, could go down. Um, Derek qualified into the... Uh, do the big league. Uh, and yes, he was in the big league, and I believe he ran the snowball as well. Uh, I expect Derek to get back to, to form here in 2024. In second, I've got the man who finished second in every single tour mod race to Matt Hirschman last year. Patrick Emmerling comes in number two here on the very early World Series power rankings, based on my mind anyway. Um, I look for Emmerling to break through and probably get some wins here this year. He'll be back in the 14, the black number 14 car. Probably will run his 07 in the wheel and tour race. Coming in number one on the list. If you're thinking Matt Hirschman, well, you're wrong right now because it's Ron Silk coming in number one. He has put in an entry for the tour modifieds again in 2024. And the reason he comes in number one, if you think back to last year, he won the wheel and tour race, the 200. And then Proceeded to blow a motor the first night out during the regular World Series and did not compete the rest of the week. So he was the only one last year that beat Matt Hirschman in anything. I know the Tour Mod race 
you know, the actual wheel and tour race is way different than the weekly tour stuff. Um, but mostly the same contingent of competitive competitors, if you will. Ron was the only one to take down Matt Hirschman. Didn't really get to show his muscle because uh, the muscles blew out. And I think Ron Silk comes in hungry, determined, and looking to right the ship after a disappointing World Series last year for the 16 teams. So Ron Silk comes in right now, my number one, on the preseason World Series power rankings that are definitely going to change. Um, and again, if you didn't hear a driver that you think should be on this list, they probably haven't registered yet. But um, if you think I'm completely wrong, I would love to... Put your top rankings in the comments when the episode comes out. Call me, text me, let me know. I love to discuss. I love to have discussions with you guys because racing minds, everybody's racing mind is a little bit different. So uh, let me know what you think. It's a good list, bad list. Let me know your list. So let's jump into the bread and butter of today's podcast. Well, actually, that was already done. When JR got with me and we were able to set up that interview, that's that's the podcast right there. Uh, the rest of this stuff is to give you guys some content, little discussion points, something to listen to um, while we don't have much weekly racing going on right now. So, of course, if you listen to the show, uh, we do cover NASCAR here on the show. Some of you don't listen to that part of the show. Some of you, most of you actually do. And, uh, you know, we enjoy NASCAR as a podcast. Not every race is a banger. And what I've done is I've looked back at all the scores from last season, and if it scored a six or below, I put it in the bad column. And if it scored above a six, it went in the good column. So let's start, since we did power rankings in this segment, let's start with the bad. Let's look back at some of the bad races. And let me pull up racing reference here so I can remember at least who won these races that we're going to talk about. So again, these are the bad races. And we're going to start, we're going to start there. And we'll get better as we go on. And I have this in order of occurrence of the race, not in order of the score. Um, so I was surprised when I put this exercise together here this evening before I hopped on to start recording. Um, the disparity between good and bad was was surprising. And, and again, I used to score. If it was a 6.1 or higher, it's good. Below that, it was bad. And of course, that's subjective. And you may think a race I think was good is, is bad and vice versa. But I think that's why you guys like to listen, right? You like to hear other people's opinions and then argue with them as you drive down I-4 or 95 or 44 or wherever the heck you're at. So I'm having a hard time navigating this damn computer screen. There we go. All right. So let's take a look first at the bad races before we take our last commercial break here. Coming in at number one on the list of bad races, and again, this is an order um, that the race occurred on the schedule. California ranks in at a 5.8 overall. And I just, I, I feel bad that this is in the bad column because it wasn't an overall bad race, but I kind of graded this race compared to how great it was back in 2022. And this, the 2023 race just didn't quite appeal to me. And the fact that Kyle Busch won it, that kind of knocked it down a few pegs. Because again, I do factor in um, who wins, you know, how my drivers do. It's Because again, this is my ranking. So, Gave California a 5.8. Um, it wasn't a terrible race, but I thought the 2022 edition was better. And with California going out, to have Kyle Busch kind of be the last one to ever win there, kind of rubbed some salt in the wound there. Um, 28 lead changes in that race, though. Competitive. Kyle Busch just dominated at the end. And it just wasn't quite as wild as the previous year back in 2022. The next 
race on the bad list here. I feel like Santa Claus checking my naughty and nice list. That's what I should have titled this, naughty and nice. Um, so naughty was Phoenix number one, the first race at Phoenix, the fourth race of the year, won by William Byron. I remember this is the race that Kevin Harvick kind of had well in hand, and then a late race caution came out, and there were some pit stops and some shuffling, and pretty much the most excitement of the race was that last pit stop. Only 10 lead changes in the race, not a lot going on. Um, in my opinion, Phoenix would be one of those tracks if it's going to be the championship race, I like to see that be the only race it gets on the schedule. I know they did renovations and upgrades and kind of messed around with the track, but I don't know. I just feel like Phoenix, people wonder why the championship ratings are failing. I watched a video where someone talked about the individual race being the most important thing versus the season-long championship. And even when it was a 36-race championship season, most points at the end of 36 races, like people cared more about each individual race than the championship per se. And I just feel like if you're going to leave the championship race at Phoenix, make it feel unique somehow. And I feel like having one Phoenix race would be the way to go. So Phoenix, a 5.8, same as California. Um, so that really tells you if I thought California was okay, Phoenix wasn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, coming in next, another race early on the schedule. A lot of races early on the schedule really kind of weighed down the average for much of the season as I look back at things. Bristol Dirt clocking in with a 5.6. Christopher Bell won that one, only four lead changes. You know, um, I'm kind of glad the dirt experience is over with with NASCAR. We just don't need the... We needed the gimmicks for a little while because it was kind of getting... Things were getting stale. Um, NASCAR was trying a lot of things. We're getting back to more, you know, let's just race sort of things. And the fact that Bristol Dirt, you know, you couldn't do live pit stops. It was a 250-lap race. That's the distance of an Xfinity race. Um, most uh, The Snowball Derby is longer than that. Um, I don't know. It just, I don't know, it was exciting the first couple of years, and then it just kind of lost its hype. So I'm glad we're going back to the concrete, even though I think Bristol hit the bad list twice. Uh, a little spoiler alert. Uh, 5.6 for the Bristol Dirt. I'm glad that experience is done, and I hope the short track program improves because the next race on our list, scoring a dismal 3.6 overall, was the next weekend at Martinsville, a race won by Kyle Larson. I remember this race for being uh, the race that Ryan Priest sat on the pole, led 140 laps, sped on pit road, and could never make it out of the 20th spot. That was really telling on how bad the package was. I remember, um, I believe I had quarter midgets this day, came back, watched the race late, and I knew Ryan Priest had won the first stage, and then literally when he sped on pit road, I'm like, well, that's it. That's his race. He's not coming back from that. So um, that's sure enough what happened. The the package is just dismal. Martinsville really suffers because you cannot, I mean, if you get out of shape, you grab a gear, you keep going, you don't lose any ground. That's not how racing should be. If you make a mistake in racing, you should pay for it unless you're like, you know, an absolute wheel man. If you get completely dog-ass sideways and can save it, that's another thing. But if you just grab a gear and go, that's, I don't know, that just kind of ruins the the whole allure of short track racing. The bump and run is a lot tougher to pull off. And again, that ruins the allure of short track racing, in my opinion. The race scored a 3.6. Last year's first Martinsville race back in 2022 was the worst race of the season. This year, scored a 3.6 and was not the worst race of the season. Next on the list, so we got a, a, away from the short tracks. We went to a couple more exciting speedways. The next quote-unquote bad race or naughty race on the season was the 15th race of the year at Gateway, won by yours, you know, who, who do you think? It's 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 probably a Kyle, right? Kyle Busch, because you know I'm not a fan of either Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson. I like Larson more than Busch, but you know, if you listen, you know. Um, 
excuse me, Kyle started on the pole, dominated this race. Uh, race had like 11 cautions, only 10 lead changes. This race was the, the one where Noah got knocked out, blew a, a rotor. Uh, this was the um, uh, Corey LaJoy in, in Chase Elliott's car being outperformed by Carson Hosovar race. Uh, but really, this was the, the Kyle Busch show. And surprisingly, the last race, so for the 15th race of the year, Kyle Busch did not win the rest of the year. That was his third win. So he was winning one in every five races, and then he ceased to win another race, and the season kind of went downhill from here. But this race did score a 4.8, didn't even crest the five on the markers here, and it was one of our bad races on the year. Next on the naughty list here, Sonoma scoring a 4.2, and this was down, let's see, Sonoma was the, the very next week, the 16th race of the season, won by Martin Truex Jr., um, I remember the only thing that happened in this race really was Denny Hamlin hitting the the jersey barriers on the front stretch and spinning out. Uh, this race dominated by Truex, 10 lead changes. Most of that was in pit cycles, only two yellows for the stage breaks. So not a very exciting race. Again, short tracks and road courses, what NASCAR had really going for them before this new car is now detrimental, as you can see from even from my scores here. Next on the list, scoring a 5.2, so not terrible, but just not. Man, I don't know. New Hampshire's right on the crest of being a short track. It's over a mile in length, so it's technically it's technically a speedway. Um, this race was won by Martin Truex Jr. It's the 20th race of the season. Uh, only 13 lead changes. Just tougher to pass on these longer, flat racetracks. So um, I don't remember too much drama happening in this race. It's just kind of seemed like one of those midsummer races that just happened. So um, nothing to write home about here at Loudoun, which... I'm from, I was born in Maine, lived in Vermont. So if you want to be technical, I'm like Martin Truex. I have a bunch of home tracks. That's one of them. Um, next on the list, actually coming in as our worst race of, according to our grading scale of the 2023 season, Watkins Glen, the next road course race on the schedule. It was race number 25 on the season. This one won by William Byron, who really had a great year on a bunch of different, this was William Byron's breakout season for sure. Um, he dominated this one, only one caution in this race. And the most memorable thing that happened was Chase Elliott, who was coming off his runner-up finish at Indianapolis on the road course, still needing a win to get in the playoffs, uh, was run out of fuel by his crew chief and basically made it all come down to Daytona. And we all know he didn't make it. So uh, that's the only memorable thing to happen at Watkins Glen. Byron dominated just uh, an all-out boring race this was the the race that kind of made them go back to the stage cautions at road courses they turned them off and then they turned them back on it was like a it's like a kid messing with video game settings halfway through the season that's how nascar kind of is it's like oh well i don't like the way this is going so we're going to hit this button and change things up so uh, you want to talk about uh, race manipulation well nascar does what they feel like they want to do each given week so there you go uh Watkins glenn scoring a dismal 2.4 the worst score race of the year Next on the list of bad races, we go down to race number 29, the Bristol Night Race, won by Denny Hamlin. Um, again, not one of my favorite drivers, not one of my favorite races. Bristol, like even Bristol, which is more high speed than the other short tracks, even that was tough uh, to watch this year. Both Bristol Dirt and both Martinsville, both Bristol Dirt, Bristol Pavement, and both Martinsville's making the list here. Uh, so yeah, we got to work on the short track package. I don't factor in the all-star race. That was, that would have scored like a 1.0. That race sucked. I don't score the clash. That race was a wreck fest, kind of a joke. Um, I've seen, you know, 
Crown Vic races that are better than that. Um, but anyway, uh, moving down, I think I already spoiled this, but the final race on the bad list. So again, the, the bad list isn't, it's just short tracks and road courses. We were, we fixed that. We're doing okay. Um, Martinsville scoring a 6.0. So it goes on the list. Not, this was the second Martinsville race won by Ryan Blaney. Uh, the race to get in the playoffs and honestly the playoff bubble and you know, who's in, who's out on every single lap. That's what adds to the allure of the penultimate race of the year. And, uh, Martinsville, man, we just, we're on the short track package and we're heading in a better direction. So again, Ryan Blaney wins this one. He makes the final four. And then we all know he went on to win the championship at Phoenix. So that is our list of naughty races as I'm checking it twice just to make sure. Yeah, that's it. So again, the worst race of the year scoring a 2.4 and Martinsville just missing the cut to go on the nice list. So they will be getting coal in their stockings from the Racing with Ryan podcast. NASCAR going to get coal in its stocking until it figures out the um, short track racing package. And once we figure that out, translate that over to road courses because honestly, the short tracks and road courses should be some of the best stuff. And right now, it's the intermediates. And thank God they've got those fixed because those races were a dog to get through. And now they're fun and now we have less of them. So it's it's funny how things are cyclical and, and that works. But uh, we're going to take our last commercial break here. And we'll come back and check the nice list. The races that we thought were pretty good. 6.1 or above on the metric coming up here on the other side. And we got a lot of races to talk about. So stay tuned for that. Should be a fun way to end the show. Hey everyone, we're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the sponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99, and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together, get your friends together, have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, Invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, 
You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200, in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Brownlee Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 E-Mod slash A-Mod, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, Make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Auburndale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open um, just message us here on the Racing with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934 and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We've taken a look at the naughty list and we've crossed all those names off. So let's take a look at the good list. And uh, 
You know, there was a lot of pretty decent races this year is, is what I'll say. Again, any race on our metric that we talked about all season long here on the podcast, the scored above a six is on this list. And if you listen through the bad list, you can probably deduce what's on the good list, but let's take a look at it. There are a lot of races here. So I'm glad to say that, you know, NASCAR may, you know, NASCAR is what it is. A lot of people just flat out hate it these days, but it's good that, you know, even putting like a number to the race, I can look back and say, that bad it's not that bad it's still a good way to pass the time on a lazy sunday or saturday night whatever it may be so starting back at the season opener it's hard to rate the daytona 500 bad i gave this year's an 8.6 one by ricky stenhouse jr wild and crazy as always lots of crashes lots of you know craziness at the end carnage on the very last lap is what's come to be expected in the daytona 500 i go back and watch the old 500s and you know there's bad things in those races and there's good things in those races. And we kind of have the same thing with a different style of racing today. So, um, hard to, to, for me, I, I get excited by the plate tracks just with the lead changes, the unpredictability. Um, uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily the best style of racing, but it is action packed. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I do definitely enjoy those. And Ricky's 10 house getting the win was, was pretty exciting and pretty different. So, um, that race, number one here on the nice list. Las Vegas going to clock in here second. 6.2 on the Vegas race, so it just makes the cut. This was William Byron's first win of his breakout 2023 season. Um, this race, not quite as good as the Vegas race from 2022, but still pretty good. Uh, the mile-and-a-half tracks were solid this year. I don't think there was one on the bad list, so um, well, this might not have been the best race in the world. It was It was good. This was a race I most remember for Joey Logano crashing out midway through the race, kind of the, the biggest thing that stood out in that one, and then William Byron winning it there at the end. A third on the nice list, the first race at Atlanta, solid speedway racing. It went all the way to the finish, only one major incident, and that was when um, Ross Chastain and Kevin Harvick got into it, going for the lead. Harvick kind of wiggled, wobbled. Chastain got into him. The big one was triggered off turn number two, kind of late in the race, and then Eric Almirola blew a tire while leading, trying to play the strategy game. And this was Joey Logano's first and only win of 2023, passing Brad Keselowski on the final lap. So good finish to this one. Pretty good, solid race for the new Atlanta. Next on the list was the race at Coda, the first road course race. Coda, in my opinion right now, definitely the best road course on the circuit with those tight turns, uh, big course, lots of corners to navigate. Uh, with with this particular car, I know turn one is cuckoo bananas, but um, once they can get sorted out and get through that first turn, which next year they'll probably move the restart zone back and get everybody spread out, so it'll be less calamity. But love the track; it's pretty, it's good for racing. Even with this car's less than stellar track record, uh, this was Tyler Reddick's first win of the year, a road course race that featured sixteen lead changes, so not bad at all. Coming in next on the list, scoring a 7.8, our first short track on the nice list, and that was the first race at Richmond. Uh, another race that looked like Kevin Harvick could win, late race caution, and uh, Kyle Larson gets out of the pits first and takes the win here. A competitive race, 22 lead changes on a short track. Um, Richmond's not so much known for beating and banging anymore as it is for strategy, and that really makes it interesting. It's It's keeping up with what everybody's doing over those long green runs. And we're talking hundred lap green runs at Richmond. It's kind of, kind of fascinating. If you think about just pure racing, it's kind of like, 
uh, a natural Formula One race, but with stock cars and things do happen. So I don't know. Uh, lead changes actually happen. So it's just kind of, it's an interesting, it's a different style of Richmond and I don't hate it. Obviously, I scored it a 7, uh, 7.8. Next on the list, the first Talladega race, a 7.2. So this one makes the nice list. One by Kyle Busch, which dragged it down. This Talladega race featured 57 lead changes. Very competitive. Um, this was the race where uh, Bubba Wallace was leading going to the final corner, or the, the on the final lap going into turn one, I should say. Tried to block Ryan Blaney, took each other out, and Kyle Busch sneaks through to get the win. I was so mad. When that happened, I was shouting at the TV, and that was the first time my daughter looked at me like I was a crazy person. So it made me uh, realize, yeah, I gotta, gotta chill out. Even when the races get intense, I gotta chill out because she gave me that look, and I don't want to see that look again. Because um, she was like, "Dad, you're crazy." So, uh, yeah, that was the first Talladega race, but still a good race, good, fun, enjoyable race overall. Uh, next on the nice list, Dover, the one and only Dover race, won by Martin Truex Jr. I believe this was on a Monday. Um, I'm just making sure I didn't have that on the list twice. But yes, uh, the 11th race of the year here, 19 lead changes. Uh, Dover, having one race, probably the best thing that's ever happened for it. It's it's enjoyable with a new car. It's it's one of the few smaller type tracks that actually runs well with the new car. Coming in next, a race that tied as our top graded race for 2023. Any guesses to which race it is? It was the first Kansas race where Denny Hamlin outdueled Kyle Larson. A record number of lead changes for a mile-and-a-half type track, 37 of them on the day, a couple of cautions sprinkled through, and that epic battle, epic battle between Hamlin and Larson, which came down on the two, making contact on the back straightaway on the final lap, leading to Hamlin's first win of 2023. Great race, really enjoyable Sunday afternoon right there. Next on the list, race 13 of the year, was the first race at Darlington. Was was the race that featured... Um, a lot of chaos at the end, kind of a hump, uh, ho-hum first half and then chaos towards the end. Uh, Logano and Truex got together, triggering a big wreck. And this was the battle between uh, Kyle Larson and Ross Chastain, where those two kind of duked it out. And this led to Ross Chastain's kind of quiet streak for much of the rest of the year, despite him getting two wins. Uh, this race was once again won by William Byron when Chastain and Larson wrecked each other out. Byron took advantage and took the win. Next on the list, race number 14, another good one here. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Kansas scored a 9.8. Darlington was a 7.4. And the next good race on the list here is the Coca-Cola 600. Race number 14 on the schedule, Ryan Blaney finally goes back to victory lane. First time in a year and a half that he had won a race. Um, Coke 600, again, very good race. 16 cautions, so a lot of, lot of incidents, a lot of occurrences out there. 31 lead changes. Second year in a row, the Coke 600 felt like a marquee event again uh, with lots of excitement, lots of lead changes, lots of drama. So I scored the Coke 600 at a solid eight. Good race. Next on the good list, the very, nope, we skip Gateway, we skip Sonoma, we go down to race number 17. Ross Chastain gets his first win of the season at a very interesting Nashville race. Kind of a little bit more calm than some of the quote-unquote mile and a half, you know, intermediate type races this year. Only four cautions on the night. So it wasn't a wreck fest. 21 lead changes, so it was competitive, but this was Ross Chastain's first win of the year. And you thought maybe after he cooled off after Darlington, you thought maybe he'd get hot again. To be honest with you, he cooled off for much of the season after this. Next race we have on the good list. By the way, Nashville, i got to remember the scores here. I should move this paper so I see it a little better. Um, Nashville scoring a 7.2. Next on the good list was the Chicago Street Race, scoring a 6.4. 
Um, solid road course race. The rain hurt it. I, I mean, made it interesting, but hurt it because the race was shortened. But this was the surprise, shocking win by Shane Van Gisbergen, getting his first career win, his first career start again. This race featured rain, featured some good lead changes, darkness, and chaos. So uh, not my favorite race of the year, but not terrible. It scored a 6.4. Next on the nice list was race number 19 of the year, another William Byron win. This was the second race at Atlanta, the night race. Um, this race was really good, featured a lot of great racing. Um, let's see, how many lead changes did, did it have? Uh, 18 in a rain-shortened race. The, the race was shortened uh, as a huge line of storms was coming in, and everybody kind of knew from the drop of the green flag they were racing until the rain got there. Um, some intense stuff. The crashes were frequent towards the end, but not huge, not dangerous. Just a lot of spins, a lot of contact being made throughout the field, but a lot of good racing and a pretty thrilling finish with Mother Nature bearing down. William Byron, though, kind of buzz killed everybody, not letting anybody new in the playoffs, got another victory. And I gave this Atlanta race a score of 7.0. Next on the good list, just making it on this set of list. Pocono, which with the new car has performed quite well. This year's Pocono race, in my opinion, a, a couple of steps down from 2022. The race won by Denny Hamlin, 14 lead changes. It was solid, but Hamlin kind of had them covered. The next race on the, the good list, another race at Richmond, scoring a 6.8. This was the kind of surprise win from Chris Busher as he locked himself into the playoffs. And um, again, I'm going to say just what I said on the first recap of the, the first Richmond race. Um, you know, not your typical crash and bash, only three yellows, w only one for cause. It was towards the end of the race. And I was thinking as that happened, this is going to screw Chris Busher, but it did not. He got the win. An interesting race of strategy. I, I remember being super tired watching this race and just trying to keep up with the strategies had my mind like fried at the end of it. So entertaining. I gave it a, um, let's see, a 6.8. So not the best, but not the worst. Next on the good list, we go down to Michigan the very next week. Another rain-delayed race, a lot of wrecks in this one, a lot of craziness, 26 lead changes, very competitive, and a good finish between Chris Buescher and Martin Truex, where Chris Buescher would get his second win in a row. So Michigan scoring a solid 8.2. Next on the good list, we move down to the very next week here. Michael McDowell breaks through at the Indianapolis Grand Prix and takes the victory to lock himself into the chase. Race 24 of the season. Um, this race was good purely for the Michael McDowell factor. It was like a feel-good race versus like a super good competitive race. McDowell had the field covered. It was like a breath of fresh air and uh, scored a 6.4. So not like excellent by any means, but good. Uh, good result, good winner. Mixed up the playoff field a little bit. And hey, it's getting us back to the Indy Oval. So we'll give it a point for that. Next on the good list was, of course, the regular season finale over at the Daytona International Speedway, a race that I was in attendance for. Won again by Chris Buescher. He went on that hot streak there towards the end of the playoffs, got three wins in the last like six races before the playoffs. It was pretty wild. Um, this race at Daytona was pretty competitive, 22 lead changes, so not the most passing for the lead. Uh, had the big wreck coming out of turn four, which those cars went sliding and spinning and wrecking right by us. It was pretty wild, uh, pretty scary there for Blaney for a few minutes. And then, of course, the big flip from Ryan Priest, which watching from the grandstands, watching a car flip and look like a toy car flying through the air on the backstretch is something, it's an indelible moment in my mind I'll never forget. I mean, obviously, 
as the lights come on and you got a pack of cars, uh, everybody kind of looks the same. You can't really tell who you're looking at when they're in the middle of the field like that. I saw smoke. I saw spinning. I said, thank God we got a caution because I got to pee really bad and I want to see the end of this thing. Oh, that's the bottom of a car. Oh, that's dirt flying. Oh my God, that's really bad. And then I realized it was Ryan Priest. And, you know, Ryan Priest raced at New Smyrna plenty of times, met the man several times, very nice guy. Very scary to see that in person, even more terrifying to then go down to the concourse, go to the bathroom and see the replays. So um, good race, fun experience. Obviously being there, uh, boosted up a couple of points. 7.6, so not the best Daytona race, not the worst either. Next on the good list, the Southern 500. So the first race of the playoffs, scoring a 6.6. This one, race 27 on the year, won by Kyle Larson. Only 13 lead changes, so not the most competitive Darlington race. I feel like the Darlington races, since the new car have come out, they're continuing to trend in the wrong direction, but still good. 6.6 for another marquee event. All the marquee events were good this year. Kansas, next on our good list. This one, uh, not quite as good as the one of the season best races, 9.8 from Kansas race number one. Kansas race two, scoring a 7.6. This was race 28 on the year. Won by Tyler Reddick. He stole it there at the end. They had a late race restart in Reddick. Ended up going to victory lane for the second and final time on the season. Nowhere near as good as the first Kansas race, but solid, not bad. Six, I'm sorry, 7.6. We moved to Texas now, the next race on our good list. Texas, a few years ago, would have been like getting a 1.0. 22 lead changes in a race won by William Byron when he outdueled Bubba Wallace late. Bubba needed to win this race to move to the next round of the playoffs, and Bubba let it slip away. And it was a very competitive, very exciting Texas race. There were spins, crashes, all the stuff. Actually, 11 cautions, the most for the rest of the season, 22 lead changes. It, for Texas in this car, it was good. Next on the good list, uh, tied for the season best, a 9.8 for Talladega. And I'm kind of thinking back, I'm like, why did I rate this so high? And then I just looked at the lead change column, 70 lead changes in a 188 lap race i'm sure it went more because no it didn't this race did not go to overtime this was a 188 lap race 70 lead changes we're getting a lead change every two and a half laps basically and um yeah, make it every three laps uh, trying to do quick math in my head about every three laps we're getting a lead change i love competitive racing i like not knowing who's gonna win i like not seeing the same guy lead for 100 consecutive laps um, only two cautions on the day. So we've got a, a restrictor play package that you can, you know, it's, it's tougher to make passes, but it's still competitive. The packs are still there. They just don't wreck quite as much when they do. It's pretty spectacular as it always has been, but we're not wrecking as much. So we're getting more racing out of these uh, plate tracks. This was of course the race that Ryan Blaney would win to qualify him to the next round. And I did score this a 9.8. I really enjoyed the race. Um, playoff Talladega. Good in my book. Next on the good list was the Roval at Charlotte. A.J. Allmendinger picks up the win. He was the last new winner of 2023. Um, I, I liked this. I remember why I liked this race. I scored it a 7.2, by the way. Um, watching A.J. Allmendinger maybe perhaps getting his final Cup Series win, holding off William Byron, who, you know, what, I don't mind seeing William Byron victory lane, but William had like six wins on the year at this point. And I really wanted to see AJ break through. I wanted to add a new winner to the list. We hadn't had a new winner on the list since, I believe, Michael McDowell. Yeah, McDowell back at uh, Indy. So it was just a little bit of breath of fresh air. It was refreshing. It was a good cutoff race. Um, not the best race in the world, but not the worst. 7.2 for a road course ain't bad. And next on the good list, actually all the upcoming races except for Martinsville on the good list here. 
First up, we have Kyle Larson's victory at Las Vegas. Larson wins the race to transfer in. Vegas scores a 7.4. Comparing that to the 6.2 for Vegas number one. Good race at Vegas. I don't remember much specific about this race, but Larson did get the win, kind of dominated, and then kind of set himself up as the man to beat going into Homestead. Looked like he was going to win the race at Homestead before he hit the water barrels chasing down Ryan Blaney. Ultimately, the Homestead race went from being extremely boring for the first 85% of it to extreme chaos at the end. And as much crap as I talked about it, I gave it a 7.4 here, so not a terrible score. Decent race, I guess. Ryan Blaney, or I'm sorry, Christopher Bell wins to lock himself in, joining Kyle Larson and then Ryan Blaney next week for the final four. And then the final race on the nice list to wrap up the 2023 season was Phoenix to the championship race. For Phoenix, it was a good race. 18 lead changes. For the first time in history, a non-championship four driver went to victory lane. That, of course, being Ross Chastain, who had his second one of the year. Kind of, um, when you go back and look at the season, you'll be like, he wasn't quiet. He got two wins. I mean, that's, you know, most people were lucky to get one. So, um, cool for Ross. And then Ryan Blaney finishes second in the race, wins his first championship. Ryan Blaney had a ho-hum regular season. And then a great playoffs, and that's what you need to do. Get into the playoffs and then go off, and that's what Blaney did. He played the system. He played by the same rules as everybody else, and I scored the second Phoenix race a solid 7.0. Phoenix won on the bad list. It rectified itself by going on the nice list there to wrap up the season. Honestly, put the championship race at Las Vegas, and let's be done with it, and then we'll get people – I feel like we'll get some more eyeballs on the championship race. It'll be a better overall event so there's a a look back a unique look back at our scores which you know i I do it every week for talking points to kind of give you guys inside the way my mind works and how i rank these races and what i enjoy because i know that what i enjoy obviously by conversations and or arguments that i've had with folks um we don't all think alike so um there's a look inside my mind i like numbers i like to quantify things and that's what i've come up with so um, out of 36 races, only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them, only 10 of them on the bad list. So 26 quote unquote good races, you know, maybe, you know, you could move, you could split it down the middle, I guess here and, and move a couple into the bad list and give you a more equal list. But, you know, I, I picked a number. I said six was going to be my cutoff and I put the list together and I was glad to see more on, on the good slash nice list than on the naughty list. So, there it is. Let me know what you think. Um, I would love to hear, you know, I know not everybody likes the NASCAR stuff, but I enjoy watching it. I enjoy covering it and giving you, giving you my thoughts. So I'd like to hear what you think and um, appreciate you guys listening to this episode. I know this week was a little bit different. Um, it's it's a little bit tougher when there's no NASCAR. There's no short track racing. Uh, Freedom Factory dig it in a tour of destruction. Uh, that was really the only show in town. I did not make it to that, but uh yeah, gearing up for hopefully the charity race at the Auburn Hills Speedway um, Sunday. Uh, Saturday is going to be more of like a local show, the support classes, um, which honestly, anytime I've been to an Auburndale race, the support classes are always a whale of a time. Um, and then Sunday, you have a Super Late 100, Pro Truck 100, and Crown Vix to wrap up the night. So that's going to be a hell of a show. Barn burner, if you ask me. I'm hoping Mother Nature cooperates so we can get those in and have something to talk about. If not, um, I believe the contingency plan is to run that New Year's weekend. And if we can't go this week, we'll be there that week for that. Uh, we do have the Little 500 coming up at Little New Smyrna um, the, starting the Wednesday after Christmas. And that'll run through Friday. 
So that's going to be fun. Over 100 cars are way over 100 cars registered for that. It's going to be a heck of a three days for, for the youngsters. So we'll have that. And, of course, any news, updates, notes, this and that. We'll get some guests on. Um, I know we're going to have Steve on after the charity race runs. And I'm sure we'll have some other guests. Again, thank you to uh, J.R. Longley for calling in, telling us about the um, the sponsorship manual and the sponsorship seminar. So if you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, I recommend that. Uh, I recommend 124 Welding and Fab. Um, get some uh, awesome items from Ron. I know he's busy trying to get things out for Christmas. So, yeah, you might have to wait for New Year's. But, hey, better late than never. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, supporting the show. Um, like I was talking about with JR, when somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I just wanted to tell you I really enjoyed the show or thanks for talking about me, I enjoy it. Also, when somebody reaches out and says, hey, I don't appreciate what you said on the show, I appreciate that too because, you know, sometimes we got to talk about things that happen and not everybody's going to agree. I think we've matured as a show and cover things in in a light that uh, is more let's talk about it versus let's attack people. And uh, that's the way we're going to continue to go. So listen, we're not going to shy away from talking about drama as we see fit. Um, we're just not, there's, there's no need to make enemies. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy as we get ready to turn another calendar year here that uh, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. I appreciate you all. Um, it's been a fun year and we still have more to cover and we will do that as we are able to get some races in. So thanks for tuning in. I know this show is a little bit different. Maybe not what you're used to. Hopefully you enjoyed it. There will be more creative shows during the quote-unquote off-season. But Red Eye coming up around the corner. First January, or first January, first Saturday of January. Then Speed Weeks coming up in February the 9th through the 17th. Cannot wait. We'll have plenty to talk about coming up. So thank you guys so much for listening. With that said, get out and support your local short tracks. Goodbye and vroom, vroom on.